another episode of Trinity United Church Legon Podcast. And now for today's teaching. Assembly busy. There will be surprises, interesting surprises. That as awful, we'll be standing there while the armed robbers are getting into heaven. If this will happen to the Asofo, then the church members better sit up. But beloved, as we confess the creed, the last part of both creeds, the Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed, focuses on what we call the last tense. The theologians have given it a big name, eschatology. The whole idea is the last appearance, the coming of our Lord. In about two Sundays from today, according to the calendar that we observe in the Christian calendar, it will be Advent, the first Advent. And immediately we enter into Advent, it means Christmas is around the corner. And as we celebrate Christmas, we are also reminded that if the first coming of Jesus was prophesied long ago and it came to pass, then surely the second advent will come to pass. And because we have been discussing the resurrection, it is important that we put in context the second coming because our resurrection will come into fullness when Christ appears. Next week, God willing, we'll talk about the hope of the resurrection. And then we'll see how this fits into the second coming of Jesus Christ. In our last discussions, we saw the importance of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because it is the basis or the foundation of the Christian faith. And the evidence that exists in and outside of the Bible proves that it was a historical event. An event that took place for which we can testify. But beyond that, it is also eschatological because it gives us a foretaste of what is to happen in the last days. I cited Donald Bletch's work which reads, quote, the resurrection concerns not simply the risen Christ, but the risen Jesus Christ. It signifies not just the preservation of the historical Jesus, but the victory of Jesus over sin, death, and hell. He conquered death and did not simply reverse death. Faith is not merely ascent to his resurrection, but union with him in his resurrection. It is eschatological because the resurrection is an event of revelation. It is through the power of the risen Christ that we are enabled to see and understand the mystery of Jesus as the living God incarnate, unquote. The summary of all this is that if Christ had not died and risen, then there is no proof that he is indeed the God incarnate. But because the power of God raised him from the dead, it gives us the assurance 
But even if I die, I will rise again. Even if you die, and the resurrection has begun in your life through repentance, then you will surely experience the fullness of the resurrection. So this morning, we want to look at the second advent. The historical presentation among Israelites and Jews was that the history of the world is classified into two. This age and the age to come. So in their calendar, there is this age, the age of sorrow, of pain, because of the fall of humankind. For them, this world is a crooked world. But they look forward to the age to come. But that age to come will be set into motion by the appearing of the Messiah, what they call the eschaton, the first eschaton. The coming of the Messiah first will set into motion the age to come. Indeed, Jesus came. And when he came, he made us aware that for those of us who believe in him, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. So every Christian who has a relationship with Jesus Christ is living in two worlds, this age and the age to come. But we are looking forward to a time when this Messiah will come again and put an end to this age and set into full bloom the age to come. That was the belief of the Jews or the Israelites, the descendants of Abraham. And up to today, even those who do not believe in Jesus Christ still look forward to the coming of a Messiah because they believe that the coming of the Messiah will bring an end to this age and set into motion the age to come. But there was another phenomenon, another concept that also gained roots and we find it more in the prophetic books, the day of the Lord. In the mind of the Jews or the Israelites, the day of the Lord carried a twofold consequence. The day of the Lord will be a day of punishment or a day of rewarding. It will be the day of judgment. Judging to reward or judging to punish. And so when you read the book of Amos, you read the book of Isaiah, Micah, you will find the occurrence of the day of the Lord. In their time, the day of the Lord that came as punishment was that they went into exile. But they looked forward to their return. And in the same way also, if you blend these two with the age to come and the, this age, then it shows very clearly that the coming of the Messiah, in order to put an end to this age, will require that there will be punishment and also rewarding. In the mind of these Israelites or Jews, they believe that when the age to come appears, there will be no death. There will be no weeping. 
There will be no sickness. It will be all joy. It will be all comfort. Because God will descend to live in the midst of his people. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this brings us to the question, when will Jesus come again? When will the second advent take place? Let me begin that discussion by drawing your attention again to a statement made by Donald Blaise. He cautions concerning the last things or eschatology in this way, quote, eschatology perhaps more than any other branch of theology is laden with divisiveness. divisiveness. Now what this means is that when you talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ, it divides the front of Christians. Because eschatology focuses on events beyond parameters of space and time. Events that can only be described in poetic or figurative language. The literalizing of the language of faith creates insuperable barriers in forging a comprehensive understanding of the events that constitute the last things, unquote. So sometimes you read a book of Revelations and there is thousand years. Is it literal or figurative? The Lord is going to appear and all will see him by the blast of the trumpet. How is that going to happen? Now these are very difficult questions to answer. But it does not in any way water down the fact of the event of Christ's coming. And so in this study, as much as is possible for me, I will just want to be reading things that were, read, that were said by our Lord Jesus Christ and some of his disciples so that we can glean what exactly is the event and when this event is going to take place. I want us to read from Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 to 14. Matthew 24, from verse 3 through to 14. Now, Jesus was sitting with his people, and they asked this question. I read, as Jesus was sitting Okay, let me read from the ESV. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, 
and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are by the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to our nations. And then the end will come. I want to continue at verse 29 through to 31. 29 through to 31. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elects from the four wings, from one end of heaven to the other. I'll continue at verse 36 through to 44. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage unto the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. This is Jesus speaking. So he's telling us that concerning his coming, Russia and Ukraine will fight. Followed by Israel and Gaza. It's possible that there are a few that are still hatching. But there are only signs of the beginning. Farming, earthquakes will take place. But there will be signs of the beginning. In fact, he himself doesn't even know the exact day. And the most dreadful part of the story is that you might be attending a party or a wedding. And while the bridegroom is seated and the bride is coming, Jesus will come. As it was in the days of Noah. So will it be. Now, the implications for these are that for each one of us as Christians who are living in expectancy, every day is a day of preparation. And we'll talk about that next week, God willing, when we look at the hope of the resurrection. 
in Acts chapter 1 verse 11. When Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, his disciples asked him a very interesting question. Acts chapter 1 verse 11. Maybe we can read from verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he lifted up, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So Jesus' appearance will be obvious. It will be seen. But concerning the exact timing, that cannot be told. Unfortunately, the world in which we live in has made us always predate. When you are going to take exams, you see students waiting for the exam table, uh, timetable to be brought before they put in more fire. Not until the timetable comes out, it looks as if the exams might not come. And this has become a common occurrence in our lives. But what Jesus is telling us in effect in all the things that we have read from him is that all the things we are seeing are part of the timing. And his coming could be any time when the father says go. Let's listen to Peter. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1 to 13. Second Peter 3, 1 to 13. This is now the second letter that I write to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior Jesus, Lord and Savior through his, your apostles. Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water, and through water by the word of God, 
And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but his patience towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus resolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the Lord of God, the, the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That is from Peter. This morning's reading was from Paul. And Paul also tells us, gives us glimpses about the second coming of the Lord. In that reading, he made us aware of the fact that there will be a loud blast and the Lord will dispatch his angels to gather in his own. Sometimes I ask myself, this big world, where will Jesus appear? In Ghana? Jesus shall reign wherever the sun does his successive journey run. Wherever the sun appears and people see it, Jesus will appear. Beloved, just as Donald Blush warned us, if you want to have answers to all those questions concerning eschatology, you might get confused and sometimes get to the conclusion that it is not likely to happen. You know, we are all complaining that the world is getting bad and worse. And what the Bible tells us is that it is going to get worse. Second Timothy chapter 3. I'm reading from verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, 
ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of truth. If all the things that we have enumerated characterize our present day, then it is obvious that it is not going to get that better. But we don't need to throw in the towel and behave as if because it is not going to get better, there is no hope. The reminder is that we are in this world, but not of it. We will continue to be in this world. But you and I must be conscious of the fact that we don't belong to this place. What it means is that the things that happen around us, we should be careful the way we mingle with these things. When we were praying, our brother mentioned the fact that it looks as if most of the things that are happening now are making a mockery of Christianity. But there are evidences to show that if this time is not shortened, the love of many of us will grow cold. And then there will be surprises. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the last book of the Bible, Revelations, carries in it a statement by Jesus Christ. He said he is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the last. The end, the first and the last. And that he is coming soon. And his reward is with him. Remember, soon it's not to be counted in terms of minutes. Because a thousand years are like but one day before the Lord. So the conclusion of the matter is that just as we are preparing to celebrate the first advent, all the indicators that the Bible gives us about the second coming shows that the Lord will surely come again. The Lord must come again because this world is wicked and crooked. I have come to the conclusion, maybe it might be I'm being pessimistic, but no matter the number of laws we have in our country, the more laws we have, the more wicked people become and treacherous. Because there are some people, 
It is not the prison that will bring change. It will take only the power of Jesus Christ. The transforming power that will bring a resurrection. Because by virtue of the fall, there is in us an innate nature that loves to sin and go after things that are wayward. And that is why an end must be put to this heaven and this earth. And then the Lord will bring into motion a new heaven and a new earth. A place where there will be no weeping. There will be no sickness. There will be no lawlessness. And God will dwell in the midst of his people. I pray that we will continue to look forward to this day. And make sure that you secure an apartment. Because Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it was not so, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. So while you are purchasing some piece of land or you are building or you are secured in your accommodation here, Peter says that all these things are going to be bent away. They'll be dissolved. So when I hear that there are some sects going around and marking people's buildings and saying that this is where they will live, I hope they are reading the Bible properly. All these things will melt away. This heaven and this earth will pass away. But a new heaven and a new earth will come into place. Surprises. Surprises. I pray that none of us will be overtaken by any event that will come to pass. But at, at all times, when we wake up every morning, we see ourselves as travelers. There are several occurrences that have taken place. Sometimes people say, I am going to work and be back. And they never come back. I've seen people who have gone for funerals and they did not come back. There are people who came back, but they came back flawed or crippled by disease. But for all who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a hope. And our hope is in the fact that even if this body wears away, there is the hope of the resurrection. And there will be newness for all who have put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us bow our heads and pray. Da radia beng no be boji fu ni hobio da radia 
trumpet call, there will be no room for repentance. The Lord says today, if you hear my voice, harden not your hearts. The Lord Jesus himself did not know the day. But he knew the events that will lead to the day. Let us therefore ask the Lord to grant us that discernment so we will not be carried away while we live on this earth, but that we will live in expectancy if only we desire to see the resurrection. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do not keep us in the dark. You have called us and you could have taken us to heaven, but you have kept us on this earth. And you remind us that we are on this earth, but we do not belong to this earth. And for all of us who have put our faith in you, Lord Jesus, There is the hope of the resurrection. Lord, because we do not have control of our lives on this earth, our prayer this morning is you will teach us to number our days and to apply our hearts unto wisdom that each day that comes our way, as we celebrate, as we go about our duties, we will be conscious of the fact that anything at all can happen. And heaven is our home. Help us, Lord, to hold on to the faith that no matter what happens, we will not be found wanted. But that we'll be found as people who are looking forward to your coming. Even as we confess that we believe in the resurrection. Lord, I pray that for all who hear my voice, 
Lord, for any that does not have a personal relationship with you, for any that has not experienced the resurrection power that is able to bring newness into an old wretched life, Lord, you will speak. And that that person will listen and hear you so attentively and turn from darkness into your marvelous lights. And for all of us, Lord, who know you, we pray that the things of this world will not make us grow cold. So, Lord, help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we together affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We are glad you joined us for today's episode. To engage with us some more, kindly search for Trinity United Church Legon on YouTube and Facebook and follow us. You can also join us every Sunday on the premises of Trinity Theological Seminary, Legon. Thank you.